Hello, I'm Jane Cudahy and this is There's an Elephant in My Paddock, brought to you by the Rural Financial Counselling Service. The humble work boot. It's a staple of every Australian bush setting. They can be piled high outside front doors, scuffed through the house with telltale trails of dirt. They can be leather, old sneakers. Some people prefer none and sacrifice their feet to the harsh environs of the cattle yard. But one brand synonymous with rural Australia is RM Williams. In this episode, we're going to have a little bit of fun and take a look at what made the humble leather work boot world famous and what it means when something that's considered from the bush crosses over to the boutique luxury branding of high-end fashion markets and what people who traditionally would have worn it as a work boot think about that evolution. Patty Huntington is a freelance journalist and fashion commentator, and she's speaking to Nicole Bond. You got something for me. Of course, they're, mu- they're much more expensive now than they used to be years ago. Part of the kind of, I guess, gentrification, I suppose, of R. M. Williams and you know it, its evolution into into a luxury brand. I mean, they sort of start at around five hundred and go to over a thousand now. But uh, I, you know, and there's lots of elastic-sided boots on the market. But I mean, they really are a beautiful boot. These boots are made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. That, you know, one piece of leather, which is how the company started by making these boots, you know, is a, a chief part of their appeal. Beautifully sculpted, especially the ones at the very top end of the range. Yes, I must admit, I'm almost embarrassed to admit to people how much I paid for mine. But, Patty, tell me, like, what is it about the RM boot that has become, really? I mean, is it a stretch too far to say it's a fashion icon of Australia? Well, they, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, we don't have very many icons. When Carla Zampatti died, you know, people referred to her being an icon, of course, you know, by virtue of the fact that she'd been around for so long. But I guess the, the difference between RM Williams and, uh, I mean, we've got other brands like Drysabone. I mean, we refer to them as bush outfitters. You know, it, it's got that link to, uh, to, to to the Australian bush. I mean, it, it was founded by R.M. Williams back in 1932. I mean, you know, he, he left school at 13, went and worked thinking wells and, and driving camels. And uh, it, it's got that connection. You know, it, it's obviously a very sort of functional piece of footwear, but it's also got that fantastic heritage. Uh, it's a heritage brand. And, um, you know, there aren't many, very many of those in any country uh, that, that are still surviving. And look, it's had many changes of ownership, the most recent sort of, you know, within the last year. Why do you think of all the uh, potential clothing brands or boot brands that ha- uh, could have been it, what is it about the RM Williams boot that kind of the world has, has picked up and run with? Well, I mean, as I say, you've got Blunston as well in Tasmania, and that's an older boot. You know, that was that was that's about 151 years old. And, and look, that they sell something like three million boots in 70 countries. That's been an extraordinary success. You know, it was worn by soldiers. It doesn't have that connection to the bush, which R.M. Williams does. And I think, I mean, he was a great craftsman and a great marketer. I mean, you know, he, he did things like launch Hooks and Horns magazine. I mean, he co-founded the, the Stockman's Hall of Fame in Longreach. And I believe in the, in the, when he first started the company in the, in, in the middle of the depression, I mean, the, the background of the story is that he, you know, he left school at 13, worked for a number of years, as I said, sinking wells and driving camels. And also he was a missionary. I'm not quite sure how many people realise that with the Aboriginal uh, missions, one in particular, and uh, near Adelaide. And, um, Dollar Mick was the name uh, of, of, of an indigenous uh, stockman who uh, basically taught him how to make saddles and bridles and he made some boots for, for Dollar Mick which were much admired and then he 
Uh, in the middle of the, the depression, he um, he took out an ad in an Adelaide newspaper offering made-to-measure boots for sale, <laughs> which were 20 shillings, uh, I believe, uh, and cash with order. I mean, from the beginning, I mean, that, that was the, the, the signature of the company. And to this day, I mean, that craftsman boot is still the best seller. Yeah, very interesting history. And I mean, and, and that's what you're buying. You're buying into the heritage of the brand. He listed on the Australian Stock Exchange at one point, but in 1988, he sold it to the South Australian stock and station agents Bennett and Fisher for $14 million. They collapsed and went into administration and Ken Cowley, the former News Corp, uh, Corp C- CEO, pulled it then. And then with Kerry Stokes, another media mogul, developed it. And, that, and that's when the gentrification sort of began. You keep lying. Thanks, Caleb. First of all, what are your thoughts on Iron Williams' boots? Oh, they're a great boot, Marty. Um, I think they've lost their way a little bit. They're a little bit too expensive. I think they're catering to the Queen Street Cowboys just a tiny bit too much. But as a boot overall, they're great. Do you think that they sold out by sort of going elite with their marketing strategy? or? Yeah, they've gone more to your businessman sort of type than your average day ringers. You know, not everyone's able to afford to wear them anymore. So carrying on from that, do you think RMs are still relevant in the bush with, with people who actually work on the land every day? No, no one, no one wears them for a work boot really anymore. They wear them for a dress boot. They're... um. Yeah, once again, too expensive. They've gone away from the bush. And Polly's seem to like them. They seem to think that they're in touch with uh, uh, rural Australia by wearing them. Do you think that helps them relate? or No, not at all. You'd be better off wearing their bloody Ariat square toes if you're going to do that. And what, what do you think makes RMs iconic? You know, Because everyone does wear them. Oh, because they're a great boot. They're a great riding boot from the horses from the old days. But, you know, like I said, they've gone away from them. These boots are made for walking. There was some minor backlash against that from the, the core fans who kind of thought it was, you know, all these city slickers who've never been on a horse suddenly wearing Iron William. But, you know, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs, can you? And um, that's, I think, when it sort of started. It, it, it was certainly revered among farmers, I mean, and, and still is today. But, I mean, by expanding it, I mean, obviously you risk, you do risk disenfranchising some so, I mean, you know, the same thing happened with the surf brands and things. I mean, any brand that tries to expand um, has that issue. But if you've got a great brand, I mean, how, how then do you get it to more people? Opening stores, I guess, extending the product range. It's it's become more than just a boot, though, hasn't it? It's a symbol of something. I mean, we tend to, in the country, note when a politician uh, yeah. comes out. You know, they have the right hat and the right boots. It's it's. There's a statement to them, isn't there? It is an Australian icon. Um, you've got everyone from John Howard to Kevin Rudd, Tony Abbott. Uh, I mean, a boot called The President was actually made for Bill Clinton and uh, he was inaugurated, I believe. And, you know, boots have been gifted to Arnold Schwarzenegger, Donald Trump most recently, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. So, you know, Hugh Jackman, is a high-profile Australian celebrity, uh, was a former ambassador and at one point was a shareholder. So uh, it's something that, you know, you came from Australia and you offered it to dignitaries. Yeah, I mean, what, the hat that they're wearing is an Akubra, right? Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah, well, there's... There's another, there's another um, Australian sort of bush outfit of brand, Driver Bone, R.M. Williams. I mean, um, you know, long may they live uh, in the right hands, I guess. You know, it's seen as a symbol of Australia. I mean, um, it's like the Akubra and the Driver Bone. I mean, weren't all the stockmen wearing them in that Man from Snowy River performance, you know, with the Olympics? <laughs> I'm not sure whether R.M. Williams was part of that. But, I mean, in the opening ceremony, um, that was a big statement. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it waves the flag. Something like that waves the flag around the world. And, I mean, obviously, we've had fashion brands, you know, fashion sort of is very cyclical and can kind of go up and down. But, I mean, we've got Zimmerman, Australian Sydney brand, uh, waving 
I mean, you know, a number of brands, but Vinam in particular is opening stores around the world, but that doesn't have a, a heritage connection to the Australian bush. Do you think it is the act- that it is, in fact, the most uh, successful bush or outback export, really, to the rest of the world, aside from, you know, Mick Dundee? Uh, but, I mean, as, as far as a product <laughs> goes... Well, I mean, talking about owners, you know, in 2013, a half of a half stake was bought by a company that's now called El Caritan Asia. Now, that is the investment arm of the world's largest luxury conglomerate, LVMH, which owns, you know, Christian Dior and uh, Moet Hennessy Champagne. And, that, you know, I mean, it's the largest luxury goods conglomerate. That tells you about something about uh, the interest in the brand. And I mean, you know, they then went, they, they paid about 110 million, I believe, full ownership over the course of the of a year, and they they did they they then expanded it again. I mean, they trimmed back a lot of things, like they trimmed back a lot of licenses. I believe there was homewares and some other things, uh, cutting out the white noise, as the CEO said at the time. You know, only just sold it uh, again. I mean, for a lot less than I think that they were they were hoping to sell it. But of course, it was in the middle of the pandemic, and no one really knew what was happening at the time. But um, I think that says a lot. <laughs> Got to the end now, yeah, priced themselves out of the market. The, the rural industries have changed a bit. They've gone away from horses a lot, so there's not probably the demand for riding boots anymore. So do you think they're still relevant in the bush? Oh, I guess so, yeah, yeah. Politicians seem to like them, though, don't they? Do you, and why do you think that is? What do you think they're trying to say by, by wearing a, a boot? Well, they've got an image to keep up, haven't they? <laughs> Well, when you're city-based and you're in a rural environment, I guess they feel more comfortable if they're dressed as rural people. Tell me about the old days. I remember you saying that people would wear them out pretty quickly. All right. When I worked at Tully River where it rains 120 or more inches a year, well, yeah, a pair of boots didn't last a long time. And you'd wear them every day? Yeah, in the stock camp we did, yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else. Didn't have anything else. So do you think that then that they are, given that history that they've got, that they're an iconic Australian brand? They definitely were. They definitely were. I don't know about now. there's a risk that sort of the the common bush person might eventually lose touch with with this iconic bush product? Well, at the time that El Caritan bought it, you know, a number of people were commenting sort of industry figures saying it's great because they understand luxury and they could be able to do great things with it. And I'm not sure, they've certainly certainly gone on to, uh, I mean, it's got two stores in London now. They opened one store in New York. I believe there was an earlier store in New York that closed quite some time ago. So, I mean, you've got 54 stores in Australia, one in New York, two in London, and one in New Zealand. But there's, you've got 450 stockists in 12 international markets. I mean, that's what you call scaling up. I mean, not all of them are $1,000. I mean, they, as I said, they started around $500. And I mean, don't forget, there's still a sort of a roaring trade in things like plaited kangaroo belts, you know, mole, classic moleskins and things like that. I think, I think they've been careful to manage the brand so that it doesn't you know, lose touch with its, its core customers. Uh, but the, the problem is, unless it does have an, a brand does have investment and the, and the right expertise, I mean, the, you know, the risk is that it, it doesn't survive. So it's great that RM Williams is still around and we're still, I mean, the fact that you're, you're dedicating an entire <laughs> podcast to it. So uh, it's part of sort of the Australian bush folklore. I guess. And I mean, there's only so many, um, you know, if the boots are so well made and they last so long, there's only so many pairs that you can sell to graziers in Australia, right? 
Right, right, right. Except I think Australia is, I'm pretty sure Australia is, I mean, the fact that you've got 54 stores here and 292 stockists, the next biggest country is the UK with 89 stockists. So still Australia is by far, it's, um, I mean, it's just, and, and it's just the brand and, the, and I mean, and the logo and people identify with that, don't they? They feel, you know, there's tribes in the country just as there are tribes in the city. You know, you've got the chick shirt, right? The men with chick shirts and the moleskins and, and R.M. Williams's. Look, I want to say on their website at the moment, they've, they've kind of, some of the images look a little bit quite kind of fashion in inverted commas to me. They're black and white. They kind of look like they're really going after a younger customer. So, I mean, you do have to be careful. Uh, you do have to be careful in chasing a new customer. As I said, you don't disenfranchise your core customer because that's the, the DNA of the brand, as we say, in the fashion business. I've been wearing these RMs. I've only had probably two or three pairs uh, since uh, high school. Uh, I just find them very comfortable and wear them with anything. All right, I'm with Will from Brisbane who's wearing boots and he's at Beef 2021. Did you think a pretty practical choice of footwear, Will? I'm questioning it at this stage of the week. It's been a long week. Um, I think everyone's been on their feet for a while, but um, yeah, definitely. You, you couldn't come to Beef without wearing your boots, I don't think. Are they comfortable? They're getting there, they're, they're too new. I did a, a swap a couple of weeks ago and kind of questioning if that was the, the wisest thing to do at this stage. Do you like the style or do you just uh, go for practicality over style? Um, I think it's a bit of both. And also just, you know, when you've been wearing something for so long, you go, right, that's, um, you know, sticking with it. Got a uniform. Exactly. I mean, it's up to Andrew Forrest, his, his investment company, Tatarang, bought it last year. Uh, up to this point, I think something like 80% of the production has still been in Australia. Of course, all the, the boots are. Some products are made in China and other countries, but he's vowed to bring all the production back on shore, which will be a very good thing. And do you think that's important for the brand, for, for the name, that it is back in Australian hands? Do you think that um, gives it um, some, I don't know, some extra oomph? I think it's great that it's in Australian hands again, uh, as long as those Australian hands do a good job in um, in looking <laughs> after it. And um, you know, I, I hope they do, and I'm uh, I'm sure that you know they have every best intention. Uh, I mean, it's a great brand, and it survived all this time, and uh, it's been through a lot of ups and downs. Um, but there's a lot to work with there. I mean, I don't know, you know, to be a dream job. Um, after L. Catterton and LVMH, the LVMH bought it, they put on a new creative director, they, um, Jonathan Ward left, and his name was Jeremy Hershon. Now, he was a young Australian who had been working in London um, on Savile Row for uh, Geese and Hawks, Aquascutum, and then later Dunhill. So he came on, I remember going to the launch of that, uh, his first range. So he tried to kind of put, I mean, he put a kind of fashion spin, but, it, you know, it wasn't too fashion. And he, he certainly, you know, had a lot of experience in, in menswear. Um, mm. He's now left. So, as I said, it remains to be seen. It's very early days under the new ownership. And, I mean, there is, there is only, I, I wonder how much you can do with, a, you know, an ankle height, elastic sided. You know, there's some core elements that make up an R.M. Williams boot, you know, how creative you can be in that space. What do you well, it's not the boots where they, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the apparel offer. I mean, the boots are, they're, 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 they're uh, you know, the, the biggest part of their sales. Uh, and I mean, you know, and they are, of course, they add new styles. I mean, they introduced a woman's boot called the Adelaide a couple of years ago. But, you know, the, the signature style made from one piece of leather with a, with a seam down the back and the elastic sides. I mean, Australia didn't invent exactly the elastic sided boot. That was a UK invention, I believe. But, you know, he, he offered an Australian, uh, made version, which took off, I mean, uh, 
cattle baron to Sydney Kidman was one of his Aaron Williams' earliest um, customers, I believe. But yeah, no, it's the it's the you have the hero product. That's the hero product, the boots, and then all the other things. I mean, the as I said, the moleskins, the shirts, the plaited belts, is a raft of other things. I mean, as I said, El Caddison cut back some of the things. It was on a on a few too many things they mm-hmm. thought, which was diluting the brand. Um, but you know, it's 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 up. I mean, it's it's what brands like Burberry in the UK have, have done. I mean, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's a heritage trench coat brand. I don't think R.M. Williams is going to go down that route where they're going to show on the runway in Paris. I, I could be wrong, but um, I mean, Burberry's had a very successful yes. high fashion. They've now got range. perfume and, and everything. Of you course. can buy anything Burberry. Oh. Yeah, it's not about the coat there you anymore. Go. I'm what about R.M. Williams Beauty? I mean, there you go. I mean, I, I, I mean when, you, when you're a brand manager, I mean, there's just there's so many things you could do. I don't know whether that's just a bridge too far. At R.M. Williams Perfume, probably people wouldn't. That would sound do. like, uh, that would smell like horse manure, I think. But um, <laughs> I'm wondering too if the beauty line, um, if we really want to have the skin of an outback woman, uh, which I'm already propagating myself. Um, I'm, keen to, right. I'm keen to know from you, though, when it all comes down to it, which is the true Australian footwear style? in the fashion world, is it the thong or is it the Aaron Williams boot? Well, I mean, the thong is really just casual footwear, isn't it? Um, we adopted it. The surf world adopted it. I, I, I mean, I think the Aaron Williams boot is – I mean, the Blunston a close second. And, I mean, don't forget that's racing ahead around the world. I mean, it's worn by Billie Eilish is wearing them. International fashion magazines uh, do regularly do editorials. That was originally introduced by backpackers, Australian backpackers around the world, and then I believe an Israeli backpacker uh, who was here, you know, took a pair back and then started was one of their first distributors. There was some statistic which I was trying to find for, for this chat, something about you know an Israeli buys in Israel buys a pair of Blunston boots. I don't know every whatever. It's just been a massive success in Israel, but it's but it's not in that. I mean, it's certainly a fashion style, whereas R.M. Williams has crossed over into that into that luxury area. Hi, uh, my name's Tony Titley from W. Titley & Co. I'm a fourth generation retailer. Um, we operate five stores here in Charters Towers. The most well-known store would be W. Titley & Co. Westernware. We've been operating since 1926. In the Western store, we sell Western stuff. <laughs> Western Jeans, stuff. boots, hats. And I guess that's, that's what we're talking to you today is to talk about work yep. boots. And you've said, you know, you're fourth generation retailer. I can imagine you've sold thousands of work boots in that time. So what's the what trends have you noticed over that time in terms of what people expect out of their work boots? Well, comfort's the main thing, Jane. So 30 years ago, um, the old T-boots used to be the... Had a pair of them. Go to, go to for us, and, and strangely enough, people still chase them as well. So, but but uh, yeah, so the T boots were they were tough, but they were a bit hard on the gear. They were, <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a lot of comfort. So these days, the Australian companies have done a really good job with um, with comfort. So, steel blue comes to mind. Mungle boots, redback boots, all Australian made. Australian made boots really in my opinion they make the best work boots in the world Australian um, manufacturers and and um, interestingly the two you haven't mentioned are Blundstone and RM Williams and you know RM Williams has crossed into that icon territory where it's probably more luxury than everyday workwear but it certainly did have its heyday back when you know horses were probably more used than what they are now 
That's correct. So I was, but this, um, RM started off more as a as a as a riding boot, and they, and they're still used for that now. However, they're they're probably more popular on um, on Pitt Street in Sydney, um, <laughs> rather rather than you know um, when you're working when you're working in them. But they, the quality, the craftsmanship is um, is fantastic with RM. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what when you're talking about, you just rattled off a few Australian brands. There, do people really yeah. take that into consideration? Like when you get you know ringers or definitely. families come in to buy their boots is where they're manufactured something that's definitely mm. yeah definitely so there's a few considerations it's pretty easy to, to sell an australian australian brand work boot because they're so good yeah they, they've done a fantastic job um in, in response to um what customers expect you know steel blue mongrel etc have come to the party there and, and um done a really good job getting given the customers what they want so do you think RM Williams clothing is still relevant to rural workwear? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, my, yeah. So their the, their clothing is, and they do do a few work boots. Their clothing, um, they do some some great Australian manufactured jeans um, and some Australian manufactured um, and moleskins. That's fairly. That's that's RM <laughs> Williams, isn't it? Everyone's got to have a yeah, moleskin uh, somewhere. Well, very. a little bit. <laughs> Maybe in southern southern Australia. I but, don't. Um, but you know. <laughs> Maybe not in North Queensland, Jane. Mainly because of the weight. They're they're hard they're hard wearing, but uh, yeah, denim jeans are just more appropriate for our climate and conditions. So, so, and yeah. you know, you you see yeah. all manner of people come in and out of your various shops, and I guess yep. you know we we often see when politicians or influencers come into to rural areas, they're dressed for the occasion, and it's generally meaning a, a pair of RMs and a. And a Cobra sometimes. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you think when you see that? When you you know well and truly uh, aware of what people in your area expect? Yeah, the, the um, crikey, I don't know if I think think too much about it. I, I suppose that I'm glad that the politicians are are supporting Australian Australian brands, um, which mm. RM and Cobra are. So um, yeah, I, that's that's a that's a pretty positive thing. I, I think. Well, that's I'm, a refreshing I'm, take on it, actually. So because usually yeah. people give them a hard time, and I tend to agree with you like that it is you know they yeah. are supporting those brands well, i probably am supportive of the, the supporting australian brands and australian manufacturing so it's good okay last question so where do you see you know you you've watched these trends with, with workwear and and boots and yep. that sort of thing for for this long where, what are the trends going forward what do you expect to see come onto the market or people to really pick up and run with crikey just to, um the, the comfort thing, boot technology, fabric technology is going to move um, workwear forward, I think. Yeah, customers just want that, that, that little comfort. They just want to be comfortable. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the old top boots to people? Because that was really a riding boot too. And I have to say, yeah. like, I'm seeing more and more people wearing sneakers in the yard for comfort reasons. Yeah. Like, is yeah. that sort of a thing of the past too, those top boots? Yeah, well, top boots are. They, they're they definitely a riding boot. Yeah, they're, they're just the way they're constructed. Um, they, uh, they're they not built for walking. They're <laughs> definitely built for riding. So um, people people do buy top boots generally for riding. We, we um, top boots are popular too on the on the bike and stuff. They're a little bit more protection when you're riding the two wheeler because you're not allowed to ride the four wheeler anymore. It gets back to that comfort in the yard. So they'll probably buy a pair of elastic sides to run around and draft cattle and and stuff like that. Just uh, not a seven hundred dollar yeah. pair. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring it down when it's covered in um, covered oh. in manure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much, Tony Titley. I really appreciate your time. No problem, Jane.
My name is Sally Carey. I'm from Townsville and I own the Feel Good Foodie food truck. Sally, I can't help but uh, notice your footwear. You're in a delightful pair of RMs. Why are they your footwear of choice when you're on your feet all day? I absolutely love RM William boots. I've worn them ever since I've had the truck. This is my third pair. The second pair got flooded in the 2019 floods. This is my third pair for the brand new truck and they look like they're about 10 years old. They do. Um, but they protect my feet with all the hot cooking. Um, they're very comfortable. They mould to my feet. Uh, they definitely look the part at Beef Australia. <laughs> yeah. I just love them. <laughs> and, you know, you said they're only a year old, but they look they look about 10 years old. So you must, you know, put them through the ringer. Well, yes, I stupidly drain oil very quickly back into the oil vats and I hold it up with my toe. So the the boot rubber actually disintegrates quicker than it probably should with RM William boots. But <laughs> So they're due for a resole and they have had a bit of um, renovation work done as well. So I've got a bit of paint on them too. Probably RM Williams would be rolling over in his grave right now if he saw <laughs> the condition of my boots. But I am going to take them back and get them to do a bit of a re- reboot on yep. my boots when I finish and is that, is that why what a part of the reason um, that you keep going back to RMs is because you can get them refurbished and it's, you know, it's a bit like Grandad's Axe where it's the original <laughs> pair of boots but, you know, you've had them resold three times and the elastic's gone and you've had yes, that redone? Yes, I will not give up on my boots <laughs> <laughs> and I will not swap them for anything else. They're just awesome. Are you ready, boots? Start walking. Thank you very much to our guests this episode, Paddy Huntington, Tony Titley and many unsuspecting boot wearers at various events in the last few weeks. Thank you also to my partners in crime, Nicole Bond and Georgina Poole. If you like what you hear, there's plenty of episodes already in the archive. Subscribe to where you usually do. Also, get in touch on any of our social media platforms with comments, ideas, questions or anything else that comes to mind. And most of all, thanks for listening. Hopefully you learned something or at least got a giggle. We'll be back again soon. Yeah, hi. My name is Ian Durham and I'm a Rural Financial Counselor based in Townsville. The Rural Financial Counselling Service is a confidential service, however we may have to talk on your behalf to banks or accountants, etc. or other professionals. However, we will never do this without the primary producer's permission. We generally meet with the primary producer on on his or her farm and can do complete business assessments. To get in touch with your nearest counsellor, go to our website rfcsnq.com.au